Yo, today's QOT is you're going to do something great. Here we go. Today's show, I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. We got Ed Milet kicking off the week. And this clip is a little bit longer than our typical clips, but that's for very good reason. This is a fantastic talk. Ed is going to share two stories. One is hilarious. It's really funny. I hope it makes you laugh out loud. The second one is a deeply inspiring story about what can happen when you show people that you truly believe in them. Ed Milet's coming up. So how many of you believe in your life that your worst day can become your best day if you turn it around? I happen to believe that. That honestly, the old, in a lot of books you read, oh, there's a seed of every adversity, there's a seed of greatness. You've all heard that before, right? But it's actually true. If you were to go back in your life, some of the greatest trials and tribulations, difficulties you've gone through have ended up producing the most beautiful things in your life. Is that true? Yes? All right, I'm going to take you through the worst day of my life. Um, first off, can I get Elmo? Let me first show you this guy right here. I'll zoom. I don't even know how to zoom in, but I'll figure it out. Okay, can you see that guy right there? I carry this in my wallet. I have an American Express card, some cash, and this in my wallet to this day. That's me. Doesn't look like me, does it? That's Eddie Milet, Chaparral Cougar, 1984. That's my ID from Chaparral Junior High School. Pretty powerful looking dude right there, huh? You'd have gone back to that school, goes, that's gonna be a business mogul, whatever Grant Cardone crap said about me up here today. That's me right there. I keep that in my wallet, and I keep that in my wallet to remind me of when my life started to change. It started when I was a chaparral cougar on one of the worst days of my life. I've never told this story before, because it's embarrassing as hell. You would think the Ray Ray story was worse. This is much worse. <laughs> so, I loved baseball when I was a kid, but I was really small. Many of you had a love when you were little, whether it was dancing or reading or a sport or singing or an instrument or whatever it was. Mine was baseball, but my dad wanted me to play all the sports because it would keep you in shape. My dad's theory as a, as a kid for me was the best ability is availability. You always be available. You always be ready to play. You always show up early. You always show up late. I've, all these things wired into me that worked in business, right? So I, our team, our basketball team, I played eighth grade basketball. And I was um, probably a 5'1 white dude. So I had NBA written all over me back in the day, right? And my dad wanted me to get ready for the season. My dad liked to drink back in the day. Big time drinker. He's been sober a long time now. But my dad could drink. So my dad said, hey, eighth grade's coming up. You're playing some basketball because you sucked at football. We don't know where this baseball thing's going. You're playing basketball. I'm like, dad, I'm not sure genetically, DNA-wise, I'm completely qualified to play basketball long term, but we'll do it. So my dad set a hoop up in the backyard. Except when he set the hoop up, and I practice every day, I'm telling you, every day the summer going into eighth grade, except my dad had had some drinks, like a lot of drinks the day that he set the hoop up. And he set it up a foot short. Except I never knew that. So I just kept practicing and practicing and practicing on a, on a hoop that was a foot lower than it was supposed to be. So I got a shot you can't even believe from like nine and a half foot hoops, right? 
So basketball starts, tryouts, only eight guys try out, so I make the team. But I'm the eighth player. I'm eight. By like 80 spots, I'm eighth, right? If we could have had the ladies play on the team, I'd have not made the team. So long story short, I don't play the first six games. I averaged for the season zero points and zero rebounds. Let me explain to you why I averaged zero. I did not score a basket the entire season in eighth grade. We're in the championship game against Lorbeer High School. Strep throat runs through our team. That night, I'm so excited because I get to go to my first baseball camp where there's gonna be, my mom and dad scrimped and saved and we're gonna send me to a baseball camp. First baseball camp in my life. That was my love, that was my sport. And my dad had say, so all I wanna do is go to baseball camp. And I went to school that day because I knew if I didn't go to school, my dad wouldn't let me go to baseball camp. And I also that day, I was so excited about it, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I was worried about playing baseball, don't worry about this image, but I was worried that I didn't know how to put my jock strap on correctly. So I went to school that day, because baseball came, my dad wasn't gonna make it home for it, so I had my dad show me how to put the jock, so I have no underwear on, I'm wearing a literal jock strap like our chaps with your butt cheeks hanging out the back. If you ladies don't know what I'm talking about, okay? So it's like, not a pretty thing. I wore that under my school clothes that day because of the baseball camp. Anyway, sixth period comes along, it's PE. I don't go to PE because I got strep throat. And I t my dad calls the school, he says, hey, your mom's telling me you're skipping a basketball game. It's the championship. I'm like, well, dad, I got strep throat. He goes, you don't get to go to baseball camp if you don't go to the damn finals of the basketball game. The best ability is availability. Can you picture my dad, right? I go, okay, dad, I'll go. The other two guys who are on the team don't go because they got strep. So now there's five dudes on the team. Guess who has to play in the championship game? Big guy right here. I put my sweats on. We drive to Lord Bear High School. <laughs> Packed house. Our school, their school, cheerleaders, the band. I haven't scored all year. I never even really play. Everybody takes off their jumpsuits. I take off my jumpsuit, run out, get into the layup line. I'm in the layup line. It's a little chilly, but I'm still in the layup line. I run in the layup line. I run through, I get my first pass. Boom, brick the first layup. I'm running by, I'm hearing everybody laughing. And then my guys are like, oh my God, Eddie. And I'm like, what's up? And I look down and I have my shirt on, on my children, my shirt on and my jock strap and tennis shoes and socks. That's what I'm wearing in the layup line. Dead true story. Picture that. Shoes, socks, jock strap, tank top. Brick the first layup. And it was like, what? And I can hear the whole, whoa! Everyone's, look at this guy! Oh my God! And so I literally, Coach Lindsay, Ed Lindsay, get over here. And we run, and the whole team makes a circle around me. They're like, find him some shorts. Who's got some shorts? They find some shorts in the bag, and I put the damn shorts on. Can you imagine the terror of a little boy? The whole school saw it. The whole Chaparral Cougar school saw my ass in a jock strap. So I went the whole game. I went the whole game, scored zero points. I got fouled with two seconds left in the game. We're down by one. I got two free throws. I can't get my damn mind off the jock strap horror film that took place about an hour ago. So on top of the jock strap, I airball the first free throw, 
and I break the second one, and we lose the junior high championship on top of it. That was a bad day, man. It was a bad day, right? It's like something you would dream about that would literally actually never happen. To this day, you guys, I have nightmares when I'm at the gym. I always check, I always look down. I swear to you, middle of workouts, I'm like, okay, all right, got it. I'm always afraid. Why do I tell you that story? Because I'm about to tell you something that's gonna change your life. That night, I went to baseball camp. The worst day of my life became the, one of the best days of my life. People ask me all the time, how do you think you became sort of a relatively confident guy with this great upbringing you had? Because I had a strong dad. And every time in my life that's come along, when there's a mentor that showed up, someone better than me that's ahead, God put him in my life and I took advantage of it. Whether that was Rich Thawley or Tony Robbins or various other people in my life. And this one man altered the direction of my life. I'm gonna tell you about it. I went to baseball camp that night and it was called Angel Country Baseball Camp. And I used to bat like this, with the bat really flat, like this. Kind of just like this. Pitch would come in, boom, the bat was flat. And the reason I did that is my hero for the Angels is a guy named Rod Carew. How many of you know who Rod Carew is? You'll know in a minute if you don't. In fact, let's just play that first video just so you know who Rod Carew is. Show him the pictures of Rod and then play that video real quick. Just the first video. I just want you to know who he is first. If you guys could play it back there. Lights, lights on, lights on on me. They played the wrong video, it's too early, that's all right. Do you know who Rod Crew is now at least? Do you know who that is? All right, you guys get ready, you're gonna play that again in a minute. Rod Crew is a Hall of Fame baseball player, they played the wrong video. Hall of Fame baseball player, one of the greatest hitters of all time. And I'm in the cage, I'm hitting, I'm hitting like this, and behind me I hear a man say, who's the little lefty? Who's the little lefty? And they go, oh, that's little Eddie. And I hear him talking, and I hit another one, line drive up the middle line drive up the middle. Now, all I'm thinking about is what had happened to me that day. I'm still wearing the same jock strap, by the way. Okay, Line drive up the middle. Just one of those dream moments, right? And the guy goes, I like this kid's swing. And I look, and they turn in the batting cage, and guess who's standing there? Rod Carew, number 29. And he goes, hey, kid, where'd you learn to hit like that? I said, oh, my God. I said, I learned by watching you. He goes, let's hit a few more. Then he stood the great Rod Carew. Stone right there, he goes, let's hit a few more. He goes, I like your swing. He goes, flatten the bat out a little bit. Spread your right foot out, open your toe. I'm going, that's Rod Crew. And he goes, you're good. You're really good. I think you could be a great player someday. And he didn't stop at that. He said, in fact, would you like me to work with you? I went, yes. He goes, well, here's what I do. When I'm in town on Tuesday nights, they come over to my cages and I work with about five, six guys just like you. I'd love to work with you. Can you be there next Tuesday? Uh, yes, sir, I could be there. And for the next five years of my life, my baseball mentor, my life mentor became Rod Carew. And I'd sit in the batting cage with Rod. I'd sit in the cage with Rod and he'd tell me exactly what to do, but on that he goes, you're outworking everybody, buddy. You're gonna do something great someday. With your work ethic, you're gonna do something great. You're gonna be a great college player. Every Tuesday he was in town, every Tuesday for years. And this man took this shy boy who had just had that experience in baseball over the next five years, constantly loved on me, constantly told me how great I was, constantly told me he believed it. And because of what a powerful example he was, when you have one of the five greatest hitters in the history of baseball tell you you're great, you believe it. And he didn't just make it about baseball, 
baseball. I made it about life and what a good boy I was and how I got good grades and I treated my parents well. And what I found out about Rod is he's one of these special souls that I was one of thousands and thousands of children that he took an interest in, which is why when I graduated college, my first job was at a group home working with kids. I wanted to be just like Rod when my baseball career ended. He poured belief into me, confidence. I started to walk different, think different. I thought I was special. The power of mentors in your life who love you and believe in you. And Rod did this over and over and over again. And then many years after I knew Rod, I'm going to Elmo. His little daughter, this is how you sow seeds in your life. See, all these calls you're making, all the phone calls, all the contacts, they don't feel like it's paying off right now, but you're planting seeds like in the parable of the sower. The wind's gonna get a few, the rain's gonna get a few, the birds are gonna get a few, but eventually there's a harvest in a way that you can't even imagine. And Rod, for years, in addition to being this great player, was a better man, and he sowed seeds into kids over and over and over. A wonderful soul. He's from Panama, he wasn't even born here. He's a beautiful man. And then many years after I knew them, his little girl, Michelle, I became very close with. Michelle was a little five-year-old little girl that used to sit behind the cage with her mama and watch us every week. And when Michelle turned 16, she got leukemia. And she lost her battle with leukemia when she was 16. At the time, it was a national story. This is April 18th, 1996. You're about to get blown away. April 18th, 1996, my great mentor, the man who believed in me that changed, how's a little dude like me end up playing baseball at that level because of that belief? How did I do well in business? Because right after Rod Carew came Rich Thawley and Tony Robbins, these people who believed in me. And so it says, Michelle Carew, the daughter of Baseball Hall of Famer Rod Carew, who waged a seven-year battle with leukemia that sparked international outpouring of support and a surge in pool, listen, of potential donors died Wednesday morning, she was 18. Their family was destroyed. I want you to watch Rod's quote when it happened. This is 1996, I can't make this up. Although we have lost Michelle, we can take solace in the fact because of her, many lives have already been saved by the increase in marrow transplants performed in the week subsequent to our appeal because of donors. The usually taciturn Carew had pleaded for people across the country, this is 1996, to sign up as potential donors. Donors, remember that word, donors. When his daughter passes away, he turned it into a victory. Worst day of his life became the best day of his life. Donors, sowing seeds, doesn't know when you're gonna harvest it. He has, uh, he, uh, he saw how few African-Americans and other minorities were registered for the National Donor Program. Within a few weeks, he began a public awareness campaign after her death. More than 70,000 calls for donors were generated. Two million increase in, in donors were made across the country. That's absolutely awesome, said Carew. It's the initiative we've been waiting for. And then it shows you that the hospital's personnel sobbed and exchanged hugs during the news conference. He took the news conference of her death and turned it into a donor drive. After that, he started a foundation called the 29 Foundation after his baseball number. Are you ready for something miraculous? One of the little boys that Rod Crew mentored was a guy named Conrad, Ro Conrad Rowland. Conrad Rowland was an NFL football player eventually. Rod met him when he was a little boy, same age when he met me. Conrad was the same age when he met me. And he took an interest in Conrad and believed in him. And Conrad went on to play for the Ravens and other NFL teams. He was in his off season, he was working out at the gym. 
Rod hadn't seen him in many, many years. He felt a click behind his right eye. He called his brother and said, I think something's wrong. His dad said, I felt we feared it was an aneurysm. Are you ready? This is a little boy that Rod Crew mentored. At the same time that that happened, Rod had a massive heart attack on a golf course and nearly died. At the same time, he nearly died. Thank God he was on the first hole and they were able to resuscitate him. And he was left with a few days to live. While Rod was in the hospital, Conrad passed away. Conrad donated a heart. Conrad was 29 years old. That heart saved Rod Carew's life. And he's still alive today. So the lesson from that is that there's a, there's a payoff, and even if there wasn't, you should do it, but the investment of belief in people, sowing seeds of belief, that's what makes you a leader. People say, what makes me a leader? Makes you a leader is your example. What makes you a leader is you investing belief and loving and caring about people. Any one of you in this moment could decide you're gonna lead because leadership is instilling something in someone that they don't see in themselves. Loving on them, believing them, seeing their giftedness. All of you, I don't care if you're loud or quiet, big here or small here, you could be a leader. The bottom line is you need to decide you wanna lead. You need to decide it's worth it. Our company's looking for leaders. Leaders, and it's about your destiny. If you invest in enough people, there's a payoff for your destiny. I'm telling you right now, the more I'm here, the longer I'm here, my heart knows we're a company of destiny. We're a company where dreams come true. We're a company that stands for something. We're a company that changes lives. We're a company where dreams happen for people. You gotta believe that. You gotta believe you got a destiny. I hope you're hearing those people sitting with you saying, you can do this. You belong here. This is where you belong. This is where you can make it. I wanna to talk to you about becoming a leader for a second. You gotta feel and know you're gonna lead. It's not just gonna happen, you have to make it happen. A few things you need to know is, listen, no one's gonna do anything for you. Couple rules of being a real leader. You need to take responsibility for your own life. Bring an energy to your team. Leading and recruiting, leading in leadership, leading in growth. Nobody owes you anything, but you owe other people everything. That's what a leader does, you take responsibility. You know exactly right now what you're not doing. It would be criminal of you to leave here and say, I don't know what to do. You know exactly what you're afraid of. You know exactly what you've been avoiding and you gotta make a decision to change it. You know exactly what it is. Don't BS anybody. You know what you need to do different. You know the changes you need to make. And if you can do that, you stop kidding yourself, you can win. You can overcome your fear, overcome procrastination. Whatever that is, you know exactly what it is. Number two, you gotta compete. I agree with what Monty said yesterday. You don't have to be number one. But dadgummit, you better wanna to compete to be the best version of you you could possibly be. Your desire and will to win is everything. I believe you win with intangibles, with emotion, with energy, with passion, and you gotta bring that. You know what we're really looking for right here? We're looking for some dogs, man, some road dogs. We're looking for some people that wanna get aggressive. How many road dogs we got out there? You know what I mean, right? I hear, I hear ladies go sometimes, some of the guys here, well, I don't know if I got a road dog in me. Ladies, let me tell you something. The hardest core road dogs in the world are women. Hey, ladies, here's how we know. What if someone messed with your kid at school? You know how you get, you slap the hell out of a little kid if you have to, don't you? You don't give a crap. Well, guess what, ladies? Listen to me. 
You're letting the world slap the hell out of your family. And you're not doing anything about it. You're letting life slap the hell out of your kids and you. You're settling for average, aren't you? You're settling for ordinary, aren't you? See, you may not see the slap, but you can feel it. You need to stop letting the world slap your family around. It's time that stops right now. You say, that's the end of this. This family wins now. I'm leading this family. Change happens now. Say yes. That was Ed Milet. His website is edmilet.com. You can watch today's entire talk on YouTube. It is called Ed Milet Breakthrough Convention 2017. All right, my friend, that is it for me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you have a fantastic day. I will see you tomorrow with Lisa Nichols. I'm out. Peace. Thank you.